Hello and welcome to the Super Show podcast. I'm your host for this week, Jamie, and joining me, I'm very glad to be able to say, is, I guess, the only permanent other host of this podcast now in this bold new future we live in, Mr. Alex Jones. Hello, sir. How are you doing? Hello, mate. I'm doing very well, thank you. All the better for uh, seeing and talking to you. Yeah, although I will say this is actually my first time hosting in this brave new live era of the Super Show podcast, because for those of you who didn't know, this podcast is in fact now uh, streamed live on YouTube, on the Super Show YouTube channel. Um, And I had to get one of those Wayne's World style countdowns where you don't say the last few numbers, and I just kind of had to bite my bottom lip and just go for it. Just tear the the band-aid off. It's scary. I love that you did what I did, which is you immediately think of Wayne's World. I did exactly the same thing because that's where. Oh it's, yeah, yeah, that's how they do it. it right? Actually, I, I'm almost sad that you don't have luscious long blonde hair and that you didn't sort of like give a big swooshing pointing motion to to let me know exactly when to go. But of course, you're on camera as well in the scenario. So I need those cards that say this man has no dick and stuff like that. Yeah. that they have for the little oh, guest. God. The arcade. Does he have an arcade? It's like Barry's arcade or something like that. Yeah, that's 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 the. The gist of the um, the first movie, right, is that they they get swindled by Rob Lowe and some guy that runs a, an, a, an arcade. And all I remember is that he asks him, um, so what is the difference between Pac-Man and Ms. Pac-Man, really? And he goes, well, uh, she has a bow in her head. Um, yeah. And that's, my, that's, my, that's the extent of my Wayne's World trivia. Thanks for, thanks for joining the Wayne's World Super Show. Okay, the story of Miss Pac-Man, Miss Pac-Man is ab- absolutely fascinating. Um, is it? Yeah, like how I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna butcher it now. I could, I have notes on it. I could quickly look it up and I could um, give you a little runner. But I'm gonna say, let me wing it, and someone can tell me in the chat. Yeah. I'm actually, confusing two different games. So if I remember rightly, what happened with Pac-Man and Miss Pac-Man was Pac-Man was was made, obviously put out there into arcade form. Then uh, there was a guy. Um, who was at university and he and a bunch of other mates, they used to take, uh, they used to basically go and get games and they would um, take the the chipboards out of them, which are proper like big chunky boards of giant components, you know, really sort of basic stuff. And they would backwards engineer them. They would tweak some stuff, change a few things, and then they would put them out as their own arcades. And what they did with Ms. Pac-Man was they basically stole Pac-Man, rebranded it Ms. Pac-Man, and then started selling it as their own arcade. Um, and then, uh, oh, I want to say it is Midway. I could, mm. be that, I could be getting that wrong. Um, and then Midway basically got these lads who, who had done this and said, you cheeky buggers, that is not cool. However... It could be really cool. How about we hire all of you and you come work for us and we put we make Ms. Pac-Man official. And so that is what they did. Nice. I love stories like that, especially when the ending isn't just, you know, a, a court case and someone slamming someone else with some kind of litigation and everyone ends up losing money and projects end up dying. When when the net result is you get an iconic gaming story and people get jobs, um, everyone ends up happy. Yeah, it's when someone's going to turn around and go, oh, wasn't, that wasn't Pac-Man, that was like Pong 2 or something, and I'll be like, ah, shit. No. But, um, you know, it, it, it's funny, though, because I, I heard an interesting story for the first time this past couple of weeks as well, and it uh, has to do with Little Big Planet. And, of course, the interesting thing about Little Big Planet, of course, is that, um, well, it, it, it's 
obviously got story modes and it's got single player content, but it's driven by community creations and the creation tools that exist within the game. And I heard some people who work who worked on a previous Little Big Planet talking about that process, and they were saying one of the strange things because um, this they were making DLC and this wasn't part of the Media Molecule team, who were obviously far more familiar with it. They were saying they were looking and it was like, well, the weird thing is once the core components, the structure of Little Big Planet is made. All the content within Little Big Planet is made within Little Big Planet. So the best people to make content for Little Big Planet are the people who have already made content for Little Big Planet. And so rather than teaching the whole dev team how to get super familiar with all the tools, they basically found out like five of the most prominent and popular community creators wow. got on the phone. And, and apparently it was like one of them was a bus driver in Mallorca. And literally they were sending them emails being like, do you want a job? And, that, and it, that is so cool. Yeah. So, I guess the moral of the story between Ms. Pac-Man and, and Little Big Planet is, uh, if you're passionate about games, um, start making your own twists on things, but try to keep it legal. Steal them or mod them. Mod them, don't steal them. Legally mod games and you might get a job in the games industry. That, I think, is that's got to be the takeaway. Yeah. Do hey, what you love. And love what you do. Yes. And, and and now I th- I think with a with a opening fucking five minutes like that, never let it be said that this is a podcast about anything other than video games. That might be the most intense video game <laughs> industry and history and like discussion we've had, maybe in in, in at least a calendar year. Um, I'd say. I do you know, shall I shall I drop something on you that will definitely make you slightly uncomfortable. Um, yes. given our, our new situation. But so the, the, the Ms. Pac-Man story that I recounted to you, hopefully reasonably accurately, um, the reason I know that was because I was researching cool stories about in video games, like from history. And I wrote a whole bunch of them down and I, make, I was making a list of them. And I was going to make it into a, uh, a video and I was going to put it on my own channel. But now mm. that we are somewhat of a two-man band, especially for the time being, I'm thinking, Jamie, maybe we should make that into a piece of content uh, for our for our our fans out there, um, for our patrons at some point in the future. Why not? Let's. I let's, mean, let's see what happens. We've got limitless possibilities now, right? I mean, it, don't get me wrong; it's not like when we were uh, when we were a three man band that you know we were you know restrained in any way in terms of what we could do and 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 what we had the capacity for. But um, there is one; it is one of those weird things where something changes. Um, as in this case with 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 Chris uh, taking a sort of leave of absence for now, uh, that kind of makes you reevaluate your relationship with with the product and with the content you make, and and yeah, think about what you would do differently. And 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 in our case, well, I guess we have to do it somewhat differently. We haven't figured out exactly what that looks like yet, um, but yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what the next few uh, weeks and months have in store in terms of content and and. What have you? But one thing is for sure is that for the time being, we will continue producing this podcast. That, as I mentioned already, you could be listening to on YouTube live on the uh, Super Show YouTube channel. Although you could also just be consuming it through all the regular means, like you could be watching the video version of it on YouTube. You could be listening to it on audio pod- uh, on podcasting platforms like Spotify, iTunes. Ah. Oh. Oh my God. Discord is shit the bed. That it duplicated me and put me in both of both screens. So the double the, double troll. The viewers got to see me doubled up for a second, but uh, that that was that was quick. You were back quick. I didn't even have time to pull the trigger on the. Um, Mid. 
technical difficulties buttons. That was good. Oh, weird. And wait, did, and nothing I said got cut off either. Not really. Like, I, don't, I don't think so, no. Oh, weird. And in that case, people will know that they can, of course, yes, listen to us on podcasting platforms or reach out to us on Twitter at Super Show Pod. And last but not least, they can also catch us on Paisley Radio. The link for that is paisleyradio.com. It's beamed out on Thursdays at 10 p.m. It's repeated on Mondays. All that good stuff. You already know what it is. We don't yet because uh, another week and a l- another lack of uh, conversations about what the hell we're doing, uh, either A, with the Super Show and B, on this planet. Um, but sometimes, Jonesy, when I look across the wider games industry, I feel like we're not alone in our cluelessness because I don't know what the good folks at Microsoft and Xbox Game Studios and Arcane are smoking, but I know I kind of want some of it. Following the news that uh, released this past week via a tweet from, I think, the official Redfall Twitter account, that is the upcoming FPS from Arcane, saying that they will not have a 60 FPS performance mode at launch and instead it's going to come via a game update at a later date. And that means if you're playing this quote-unquote next-gen exclusive title on your Xbox Series X at launch, you will only have the option of playing at 4K 30 FPS, 1440p on the Series S. Um, uh, This was one of those ones, Jonesy, where when that tweet kind of did the rounds, I kind of looked at it, and as someone who's... Not not looking forward to Redfall, but doesn't care that much. I looked at it and was, and also we'll probably play on PC. I looked at it and was like, okay. And then I looked at it my phone like two hours later, and it kind of became one of the big uh, bubbling cauldrons of gamer discourse uh, that we that we had this past week. Uh, do you do you think this is a big deal? Like, do you think? I, I'm, I, I don't I, know. I, it's, okay, so we have a little bit. Uh, no, we don't. I have a little bit of a problem in that a lot of our patrons, a lot of our Discordians, I'm going to call them because I like that are a lot bigger, uh, not not bigger gamers, but they're a lot more in the know than I am and they're affected a lot more about this sort of stuff than I am. And I'm sure some of them will be annoyed at what I'm about to say. But um, when it comes to things like, you know, there's not going to be a 60 FPS mode at launch, I am not that bothered really. Like it's it's something I, I like to have. It's a nice thing to have when you play a game at 60 FPS. It's pretty difficult to then try and play it at 30. It, it, it is mm. a thing. I'm not saying it doesn't matter, but it, but I was quite surprised um, to you know at, at the reaction um, to this. The only thing I can think is, and and I suppose this would be fair, is I'm so I'm saying you know oh it's not that big a deal. I'm not that much of a um, like fast-paced shooter like co-op game player these days. I'm more cool. of a story game kind of person, like a single player and. I sometimes I would have opted for um, a visual quality mode over a performance mode in some games. So maybe I'm still on the cusp of um, enjoying games at 30 and not being too frustrated. And I think there will be people that are looking forward to Redfall and actually maybe this will sully their experience. So uh, let, let me, let me do, you know, something I love doing. Let me sit on the fence. Let me be Chris for this, uh, for this uh, episode with Redfall. And I'll sit on the fence and I'll say, I can see why it's frustrating. I can see why it's annoying. I also can see why some people don't think it's that big a deal. Allow me then, if you will, to try and kick you off the fence because I feel like that's the funnest thing I can do <laughs> from the position that I'm in. Smash my fence um, panel from below me. Exactly. Well, I, there was, I guess there's two ways of doing it. I could attack you on top of, like, directly on top of the fence. <laughs> that's too easy. Push you over to the other side. Or yeah, if I destroyed the fence from beneath you and sent you tumbling to the floor, then there is no fence left to be sat on. And then that doesn't look like you, you shoved me off unceremoniously. That looks like I fell 
through virtue right, exactly. of my my bad choice of seating spots. Yes, like when I pulled the stool away from Garrett Weidner in design and technology class in uh, <laughs> Upper Fifth, and I got in a lot of trouble with Mr. Bass. Let me. I'm, tell you. I'm sorry. Did you go to school in Central Germany from Garrett Weidner? <laughs> I didn't go to school in Central Germany, but I did go to school with a German. Um, and nice. Yeah. He was a cool dude. He had long hair. Uh, he looked a bit like Kurt Kermain. And, and for the record, didn't mean to hurt you, Garrett, if you're listening. I know you're out there somewhere. Probably in Germany. If he commented um, right now in the chat, I would laugh. Oh, uh, so what? I'd be hard. so I'd be creeped out because that's a person I have not spoken to for 12 years. <laughs> so I would be slightly disturbed, uh, but excited in a weird way. Um, so yeah, back to the fence. Uh, I, I think the, the wrinkles that have made this maybe a little bit more complicated, especially for people who are, say, invested in the Xbox hardware side of things and maybe have already you know, spent a considerable amount of money on an Xbox Series X and have been waiting for exclusive software that's going to take advantage of all that supposed power. I mean, if you're going to have a, a, a console that looks like a fridge sat under a television for... You know, over two years at this point, eventually you want something to look really fucking nice on it. Um, and a lot of people thought they might be getting that because all the content we've ever seen from Redfall, from that initial, you know, gameplay reveal, uh, like I think last year at some point, all the way through to a recent round of previews, everything has been showed off at 60 frames a second. Now, obviously, that means because, you know, influencers and, and media that have gone to events and captured things, or in, in a lot of cases actually not been able to capture things, um, have been given footage of the game running on a PC. Um, and that's always, you know, the pitfall you have with these kind of situations. But perhaps slightly disingenuous to never even hint at the fact that this game would uh, not be able to hit that target on what is ostensibly the most powerful uh, console on the market. It's also worth noting that the uh, the store page for Redfall on, on Xbox recently, up until very recently, had a 60 FPS tag on it that has since been removed. And there's also just the fact that the idea that it will be patched uh, at a later date, quote-unquote, suggests that, hey, this is possible, this is a matter of time and work and man-hours, uh, but we just want to get the game out there before that, to which a lot of people online, I know a lot of, you know, be a lot of the big talking heads and sort of voices on Twitter have just said, well, delay it. You've just said the game's not finished. In, in as many words, delay it. If, if, does any of that sway you? And if you did have a £500 fridge sat under your television collecting dust, um, would you be more disappointed than your current uh, fence would suggest? I'm, I, do you know what? In this day and age, I am somewhat convinced by the delay it argument. Um we see it so often these days. And I, yeah, do, do you know what? I do kind of agree with you that if you've got something um, that you've touted as 60 FPS, especially like if people have pre-ordered, for example, um, or, I mean, it's going to be a game uh, day one on Game Pass. So you're going to expect sure, sure, sure. that most that people aren't going to be, you know, they're going to be playing it. Probably most people will be playing it on Game Pass. Um, yeah, because I suppose if it comes out, let me put myself in the mind of someone who has pre-ordered it. Ooh, it comes. It comes out. It's like a Star Trek episode. <laughs> it comes out. It's a very snappy shooter game, team based. You really want to like get to grips with those mechanics, and you need to be moving fast. You need sixty FPS. Um, you really want to get on board. You really want to play it. You're a day one kind of person. You're a preload, stay up late, jump on kind of guy, right? And now you find out that it's going to be subpar on launch. So then you are. You are then in a difficult position. Do you wait for them to drop it, drop the 60 FPS mode, which could be months away, 
let's be honest, it could be like six months down the line, nine months down the line, we have no idea. Um, or do you say, oh, well, I'll hop in now, risk it being six, nine months down the line, and then kind of maybe fall off of it because, you, hey, I really enjoyed that game. But then the 60 FPS mode comes out, you don't go back into it and you had a subpar experience for the entirety. Mm. I'm kind of with you. I think maybe they should have delayed it. If, if you can't get that product out as intended, and I think we're getting to the point where 60 FPS is a necessity um, in gaming. We're kind of at that point now. Yeah. Um, and like you said, it's the most powerful console. There's no reason that um, it shouldn't be that when that's what they've promised. Promit, promit. I mean, yeah, it was on their website. I'm going to say promise. That's what they promised. That could have moved the needle. Wrong, yeah. And you've, yeah, you've yeah. me. You've damaged my fence enough to make it, it rickety for me to. So uh, get, see, uh, I've got off. I voluntarily climbed down from the fence. I'm, I'm glad because it didn't look that comfortable to begin with. It looked like your balls were kind of like sandwiched um, in the sort of the slats, and I, I, I wanted to kind of help you out of that. that Thank you. I appreciate um, it. But yeah, I think one of the one of the key things you said there is that about how 60 FPS has kind of become a, a necessity in some respects, and I think it's because so many, I guess, other studios, um, and and hey, not to kind of like fuel the fan the flames of a console war but i think especially like a lot of playstation's uh first party studios have done a good job of making it a standard and like i i remember at times like you chris and i having it like chatting offline and i would actually complain sometimes about having the choice between performance and quality because i have that mental disillusion where i'm like the very you know the very act of making a decision is accepting an inferior product because i know i'm not getting the opposite of what i'm choosing and like right. that's something that exists only in my head i need to get over that and that's fine but that choice has existed and that's almost defined this generation right is that hey we can't hit 4k 60 but we can give you one or the other that's been the story for me of the ps5 and the series x and yeah. again to go back to the playstation thing when i think about Spider-Man Miles Morales, or when I think about God of War or um, Ragnarok, or when I think about um, Horizon Forbidden West, so many of the first 15 minutes of those games have been characterized by me switching back and forth between the two <laughs> and then going, oh, I have to play this at 60. Now that I've seen them one by one, I have to. I'm sorry, I know it's pretty, <laughs> but, but there's, there's no other way. Um, I'm trying to think the last game so I did exactly the same thing and I went from like performance to quality performance to quality and I'm like okay really annoyed and okay I can, can I put my tinfoil hat on a little minute a bit of a yeah. conspiracy for you here you know they make you restart the system often to see to like yes, see yeah, the difference I wonder if that is something to do on purpose because they don't want you to have such a good comparison side to side by side I don't know why they do that it's probably not true but you know yeah I was what was I playing uh, was it Oh god, it was it was one of the games that had the word West in it. Was it Forbidden uh, West? The, it, it was the one where you play as like the cowboy and it was like a God of War like that came out just after God of War. And, Evil West? Yeah. Evil West, thank Evil you. West. And yeah, he had like the electronic gauntlet that like zapped people and it was a fun game. But that was yeah, that was one of those ones where changing between the two uh you know the changing between performance and quality required you to not just like go back to the main menu, but entirely restart the game from like the, the PlayStation dashboard. And yeah, there's only so many times you can do that before you're like, I can't even remember what the, the what it looked like. Before. Exactly. So I'm just going to pick one and, and stick with it. And again, that was the time when I stuck with the performance because one of those frames. So I see. Yeah. No, I, I'm, I'm trying to think. So I did have a, I'm, I think with 
by the man. I th- no, I think what, what would it have been? Maybe Miles Morales. I think I went with the quality mode, so the 30 FPS, because it looked so pretty, and I really wanted to enjoy the visuals. I think it was that. Maybe it was Spider Man. I can't even bloody remember now. Um, but the most recent for me, God of War. I tried it in um, 30, and I tried it in 60, and I found it borderline unplayable in 30. You look. You say again, Jonesy. You're. Um, Did I'm, I break you're, up? You're like. Yeah, you're. Well, you're breaking up quite badly for me, but clearly I'm coming through loud and clear for you, so I wasn't going to uh, disrupt. Anything. Oh no! Yeah, you're coming around fine for me. Um, yeah, no. So I was saying that I think uh, the last time I tried um, thirty on a game um, or a couple of games, God of War Ragnarok was one of them. Okay. And I immediately was like, I can't play this on thirty. Sixty yeah. is a necessity, and Hogwarts Legacy. I tried on 30 and then I tried on 60 and I was like, I have to play this at 60. It doesn't, yeah. it feels horrible at 30. I, I, I remember one game that actually uh, drove you to make a, a piece of uh, short content about the difference. And that was when uh, the infamous Marvel's Avengers, bet you never thought you'd hear that name again, <laughs> got its uh, next gen update. And I think you made a YouTube short with like a comparison between the performance version and the quality version. Cause, uh, it wasn't until the next gen update that that game could run at 60 FPS on consoles. And that was one of those ones where I think, yeah, seeing them side by side, I remember you saying words to the effect of like, Oh yeah, there has to be the performance. I think it, and it, it comes down to the gameplay, right? It comes down to, is it the type of game that you're going to be moving the camera around quickly? You're going to be like shooting enemies. You're going to, or you're going to be interacting with the environment at speed. And the second you say yes to that, you've got to go 60 because otherwise it just feels choppy and, and slow and stilted and yeah it's true it's all true sadly um for those of you who own an xbox series s or x and we're looking forward to playing redfall day one that is the reality although hopefully you know and i'm not just saying this you know ironically or to or to be uh, sarcastic or anything like that but i i do hope that those of you who were looking looking forward to Redfall and are tied to playing on a console are able to have a, an enjoyable time on day one. Um, uh, I don't know about you, Jonesy, but I probably will try Redfall, but I will do it on PC, um, which Me too. I think made things slightly more palatable and not to rub salt <laughs> in the wounds. Um, I don't know if you're talking right now because you've completely frozen for me. Oh, sorry. Um, Someone said, oh, no, sorry. I was just checking the chat because ASB64 said, no sound, no sound. No uh, sound from me. Uh, I'm, I don't know now. I'm guessing no sound at all, but our levels look good. So I'm not really sure what's going on. I'm just, um, someone else in the chat, let, let me know if you can hear us or if it's all gone haywire because um, it looks good from my end. In fact, YouTube's telling me mm. I have an excellent connection. I can, I can see because they're a little bit behind us so I can see that they're like a, oh no it's come back on they've got okay no it's cool it's cool uh, H Sandez low point fair and once it wonder all saying they've got sound so that's all good nice I'm going to give other people a shout just because they're here Johnny Jones Rodrigo Thomas James the Funky Penguin Athletic Gravy all saying they can hear um, <laughs> Thomas James I'm excellently connected to you that is all good ASB64 giving the big thumbs up as well so let's uh, let's crack on Oh no! And after that, I think Jamie's frozen. Jamie's fr- oh, he's back. Oh man! Do you know what I was? I was I was looking at the chat and I was chatting away, and I turned back to say we're all good to crack on, and then you hadn't moved. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what's weird is 
my internet's fine. So I opened up the stream and I was watching my frozen face in real time <laughs> while Discord, you know, was like, oh, yeah, you, this isn't a thing. And of course, your internet is fine because you're still, uh, you know, live on YouTube and communicating with the chat. So um, apologies. I guess this is the, the price we pay to have a bit of uh, live interactivity and to produce a live product. But. We'll see. Yeah, that's... The, I, this is the thing. We'll have to maybe we'll ask the question in a, in a while, but uh, because if we, if you know, if there's technical difficulties, it become a regular thing. Purely because I love the live thing. So, like for example, I just gave a shout out to H Sandoz. He corrected me and said, "It's me, Pastors Guild." So I'm like, "Okay, oh, there, you there you go." See, and that I like to know that. And uh, casually, filthy gaming's in the chat as well. So shout out to you as well. Um, I like that. I like the interactivity. I like the fact that we're doing this live and somewhere in the world. Um, there's people watching and we're doing it live. But if we have technical issues, then maybe we'll go back to recording. But I hope we don't. Maybe we'll just find something more stable than Discord. Maybe we'll maybe, go to something yeah. else. Because the weird thing is, if we were having te- technical difficulties that presented themselves in over Discord like that just did, that would be something we'd have to deal with if we were recording too, and we just have to cut it out and pretend it never happens. That's very true. And we had a lot of... Well, I'd say the overwhelming majority of our podcasts we got through relatively relatively unscathed. So why we've had uh, two weeks in a row where we've had a bit of a you know a, a gremlin in the system is is anyone's guess. But um, yeah, Indeed. I guess let us know. Um, however, you choose to communicate us, uh, which you prefer, and um, and and hey, I will say you don't know if you prefer it live until you've watched it live. So maybe um, in the coming weeks. Whether it's on a Sunday, whether it's on a Monday, we don't fucking know. Um, take a little bit of time out of your schedule. Come on over to the Super Show YouTube channel and catch us live. Join in the chat. Give Jonesy something to read. Give Jonesy some questions to answer. Speaking of which, uh, did I miss anything while I was uh, blinking in and out of existence? No, uh, you did not miss anything. You're all good. Okay, great. Um, in that case, can I give a shout out to some patrons? You can indeed. Good stuff. Um, I will just say as a little... Um, yeah, as a little pre-thingy, a preamble. Um, of course, people who have been watching and or listening to the Super Show over the last couple of weeks will know that uh, the patron is currently frozen, uh, in that we are not taking any money out of it at the moment, just because in the aftermath of uh, Chris taking a bit of a leave, leave of absence and Jonesy and I are still pending a few conversations about exactly what we're going to do and how we're going to do it and sort of what the future of all of this shit looks like. It just didn't make sense. Um to take anyone's money or ask for anyone news money or, or anything like that. But uh, that doesn't mean that there aren't some good people who have uh, obviously been supporting us up to this point and who do still uh, continue to support us over on patreon.com forward slash super show. Um, I'm hoping, of course, I don't know because this is live and I don't necessarily pull the strings, but I'm guessing there are some names on screen right now. Big shout out to all of them, but also... Um, we we have to give some personal shout-outs to the likes of Aaron Cameron, Athletic Gravy, Brimstone, Cole K, Davnat Coburn, Ice Not Rock Salt, Jesper Camdahl Nielsen, Leo Merger, Mindful Pig, Mr. Anthropic, Pastors Guild, and then, of course, we have the big dogs, the members of the board, Brett Z, a.k.a. Shellshock, Geometric Potter, Hacksaw Bookread, Manuel Guerrero, and Peacewood. Thank you all so much. Uh, that link, once again, patreon.com forward slash super show. I'm repeating it sort of, um, I guess, out of habit, 
like I said, I, I believe if you go over there right now, you can't actually do anything. Um, and uh, we will. Uh, I think if you, anyone... I, so I would. I think if you did go over there now and signed up, it would still charge you. I believe we paused it. Oh, so right. I think the way it works is we paused it for existing members. But if people to sign up now, it would. Uh, yeah, it would work as normal. I do believe. Okay, well there you go, and 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 for what it's worth, you know, I'm I'm hoping, uh, uh, you know, Jersey, let me know what you think live and on broadcast that sort of by the end of the month we'll have a clearer idea of exactly what this thing will look like going forward, um, you know, what the podcast will look like, how often it will be, um, and 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 other ways we're going to look to kind of keep things fresh and keep things interesting, um, in the coming months, years. Who could say? Decades. Decades. Say it ain't so. Um, well, one thing's for sure, if we do reach decades, I've got a feeling at some point, one of us is going to come on this podcast and talk about how much they enjoyed the the Super Mario Brothers 9 movie. But until that point, um, all we can do is talk about the first one, which got mentioned last week as it was crushing all sorts of box office records from what I understand in the second weekend and, 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 uh, and beyond it has continued to do that. Comfortably the highest grossing video game uh, adaptation of all time at this point looks destined to cross a billion dollars. And one of the man, one of the, the men, one of the families contributing to that soon to be billion dollar haul this week was you, Mr. Jones. Am I right? It was indeed. Yeah. Um, yesterday uh, we took the kids. We went to the uh, local cine world um, to see Super Mario Bros. The movie. Um, it was a fun time. Yeah, I enjoyed it. It was um it, it was interesting. So I, we'd obviously already covered it. I knew it was the biggest growing, grossing animated and video game movie of all time. I had an absolutely amazing opening weekend uh, in America and US. I it was it was fun. It was very very well made. I enjoyed a lot of the characterizations. I thought Chris Pratt was fine. I thought like Charlie Day was fine. It was all the characters. Mm -hmm. um, I, it was a little bit uh, paint by numbers for me. Um, yeah. But it is a kid's film and so kind of what you expect. I suppose I was hoping for a little bit more of the nods to, um, I mean, there weren't plenty, but a few more nods to sort of like Nintendo culture or like Mario and stuff. That I just, there was a, maybe not enough of that for me. I would like to, maybe a few more like little in-jokes um, that I think they could have snuck in to appeal to like the parents, if you know what I mean. Um when you say the parents, do you mean that because it's slightly more adult in nature or just because it no, is it's not more at all. obscure and, and historical almost? I, like don't th I, I don't think it's like, it's not adult in nature by any means. It is, I think, a solid like animated kids movie. And I totally get that. Like my kids absolutely adore Mario. They've played Mario Odyssey loads um, and they were, so, they were hyped for this. But I think given the fact that the game is now getting off like 40 years old, the the original um and i think mario himself has got to be you know got to be even older than that so there were there were a few little things like for example there's a bit where mario is hiding behind a, a bench and i noticed that there's a jump man uh like logo um, on an arcade next to it, which was like that sort of thing is really cool um which i liked um i just i would have liked a few more i'm trying so if you if, for example games like um uh games sorry films like free guy or uh, Ready Player One obviously had a lot of fun with sliding in a lot of little Easter eggs for people who you know you could recognise things, and yeah. that was really cool. And it didn't they were there were things that were like blink and you miss it. I was expecting a few more of those kinds of things in Mario, which I don't think it was more of an out and out fun Mario adventure. It seemed. Um, 
that was the kind of the one thing I was really hoping I would get from a Super Mario Bros. movie. You still you still get it, but I'm just saying like it's it's kind of a to a lesser degree than I was expecting. I really want you know, I really wanted and and uh, Thomas James just mentioned this in chat, so I will I'll flag it as well. Um, in the Sonic movie, they do something which I loved, which is they they slag off the mushroom planet loads, and Sonic's like, oh, I, thought, oh. I hate mushrooms, and they're slagging off how boring the mushroom world is, and I thought that was fun. Like as a little dig, because obviously back in the day you had the 32-bit Sonic, he's much faster, blah, blah, blah. Mario's really slow and all this. It would have been fun to have had some like joke about Sonic or or something Sega related. And if they did, I missed it because I did not see anything. There wasn't even anything yeah. as, on, as on the nose as in Sonic. Um, as it stands, I would say Sonic 1, for me, is better than the Mario movie. Then it's the Mario movie. Um. Then it's Sonic. Like Sonic Two, I didn't. I thought was you know was was a bit meh. But um, I liked Sonic One. I thought it was fun. Uh, Mario was fun. Could have done with a little bit more. But apart from that, a fun movie. Go see it. It's good. Okay. I I do hope to go and see it. Although I'll be honest, I I I wasn't necessarily cold on the first Sonic film. I thought it was fine. But if I also come away from this. Uh, enjoying it less than that Sonic film, that would be in disappointment territory for me. I like, see, I liked Sonic One. That's the, that maybe that's the difference. I actively thought it was, right. I thought it was cool. I liked what they did with it because I, I don't like Sonic anywhere near as much as I like Mario. So I was thinking Sonic was going to be trash because the games often are. Um, so, and like, I mean, compare like recent Mario games to Sonic Frontiers and like, there's no comparison, oh, really. It's not, no, yeah. So I was kind of imagine. So that's maybe that's what it was. My expectations were too high, possibly, because it's Mario, yeah. it's Nintendo. I was thinking it was going to be absolutely amazing. And it was, it was, I watch a lot of animated films because I've got young kids and some of them are brilliant. Like some of them have a lot there for everyone. And I don't know, this just kind of left me a little flat. Uh, that's actually an interesting litmus test, though, is that if you had to gauge it based on the reaction to one screening, when the DVD or Blu-ray of the Super Mario Brothers movie comes out, does this get more or less playtime than, than Sonic has? Oh, wow, so that's a really in good the, question. In, in the Jones household. Uh, so, okay, so my six-year-old came out of it and said, immediately said, I like that more than Sonic 2. Straight okay. off the bat. But specifically two. Specifically two. And he enjoyed yeah. Sonic 1 more. So I'm going to say he's kind of where Ooh. I am. So I think it gets a decent amount of play. Um, actually, I, I think it will get better with Watchers as well. I think I think I think it will get almost on par with, with, uh, with Sonic 1, I would say. And, and I think my enjoyment of it will probably increase as well. Um, okay. I think it needs... It needs it needs a couple of watches to maybe fully appreciate uh, everything. Let's go. Let's say that. Somebody tells me you might get more than that couple. Um, oh, I'll get as, fifty by the end yeah. of the year. <laughs> well, I was going to say we're sat in mid-April now, so when that DVD comes out, right in time for the summer holiday, you're going to have a great few months. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It will. It will be. I'll be. I'll be humming the tune constantly. Jack yeah. Black, Jack Black, I will say, he was cracking as Bowser. Absolutely loved it. Thought it was great. I'm looking forward. To, I've seen that the, the Peaches song get some, <laughs> yeah, yeah. get some nods here and there. The bit of uh, virality in its own right, because I think there's two different versions of the of a music video for it. And apparently, it is eligible for an Oscar. Uh, should that uh, conversation <laughs> uh, loop back around in the early stages of next year, that will be fun. That'll, um, that'll be amazing. 
Yeah, because it also because it's Jack Black. Like he does, if anyone deserves it, it's him. He was robbed after the, the pick of destiny. Didn't get a single nomination. So, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, we gotta we gotta make up for that. Um, but uh, that's you know that's that's Jonesy playing Family Man. Uh, what have you been doing to kind of claw back a bit of me time? Uh, okay, so a bit of me time, not just me time, some co-op time with the uh, with the Ooh. wife. We had absolutely, and I, I know we try and keep this to new games. I'm going to absolutely brutalize this this week because I'm going to mention two games, both of which are nowhere near new. Um, <laughs> a, a game which has had its name changed in my house more than any game ever. Um, it's currently being known as Goose Goose by House House, which is the Untitled Goose game um, by oh. House House, which my four-year-old calls Goose Goose by House House, or he calls it the Interrupting Goose Game. Um, so, <laughs> I mean, that is, again, very accurate. I'd, I'd never played it, and it's, uh, it was free to download, and we were looking for something to sort of do a bit of co-op. Uh, I jumped in there, and as a, as a uh, sofa co-op game, I mean, absolutely loved it. I had a great time. Uh, anyone who hasn't played it yet who's got a PlayStation Plus or, or whatever you're, any other um, subscription services on, yeah, I absolutely loved it. I had a, uh, much laughter was had, stealing hats from people and just chasing people around and um, pretending to hunt my goose wife as she ran away from me. Um, <laughs> family friendly. Very family friendly, yeah. Um, it's interesting watching the kids play it because they are four and six and they are not team players and it was painful. Uh, so we eventually just stopped letting them play it. It's like, oh, no, wow. You're not allowed to play it anymore because all they do is argue. They want to they do it, whereas we're there going, you do this, I'll help you, I'll get his, I'll do this. I'll do. We haven't, I haven't played it solo, actually. I imagine it's a different thing. We had a great time. Yeah. But solo, I imagine that game would be really, solo, really well, we, hard. Well, we streamed it solo on, on, on All Time Gaming oh, way, yes. way back in the day when it came out. And yeah, it was one of those things where like, it was it was fun and it was funny. Um, I think when you're playing it solo, though, sometimes the actual like objectives and progression become the main focus of your gameplay. And I think once it becomes a little bit more directed in that sense, and you're just trying to sort of min max objectives as much as you can, a lot of the fun gets kind of sapped out of it. Um, so I think probably co-op is the way to go there and just focus on shenanigans rather than completing the game, really. And then the missions become shenanigans. Like, we we just had so much fun, uh, say, like, you know, talking and saying, hey, oh, you do that, I'll do this, you do that. And it was one of those. And I haven't had that experience in a while. Um, That's nice. The closest we probably got to that recently was maybe, um, uh, oh, Jesus, I can't remember what it's called. It takes two. It takes two. Thank you very much. Yeah, it takes two, which we had a great time playing, but I didn't finish. Um, Unraveled, there's a bit of that, like co-op Unraveled. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, is the same kind of deal, but this was just funny, and we had a it, the humor was there in spades. Um, the only I'll mention another game as well because this uh, someone else close to me inspired me to play this, and it was of course you, Jamie, last week, and this is because you, you were talking about um, uh, which one was it you were playing? You, I was you, playing. Yakuza like a dragon. Like a dragon, thank you. Um, and I've wanted to jump into Yakuza for a long time, and I didn't feel like jumping into um, Where the Dragon, um, like a dragon. Like a dragon, yeah. Uh, and I was checking out some lists online because they're, you know, they're all free to download and play on um, the PlayStation Plus membership. Um, and I had not played Judgment. Um, so I thought I would hop in uh, and Judge Eyes, as I think we, um, as it was going to be called or is called in Japan, um and jamie's frozen 
I think I'm still here. Can you still hear? Me? I can still hear you. Your your visuals yeah. are frozen. Um, <laughs> like this is why I don't know why everything happens when we're live. Um, you frozen with your my, hand over your face as well, which is quite funny. Yeah, I think like my USB kind of hub thing like had had a moment, and now um, my webcam is playing up on OBS, but everything else hopefully is fine. Okay, well then then I am just enjoying the visuals then. Um, no, yeah. Ju- uh, so I played a bit of Judgment and actually read a few things, and your visuals back. That is wicked. We're back. Um, well, she's. I really wanted to play it because it was, I'd read a few things about it and I thought, okay, this sounds a little bit like LA Noir, but, you know, but cross with a Yakuza game and a few yeah. sort of people suggesting it's like one of a really good detective game. And I thought it sounds fun and it's totally out of my wheelhouse. Um, started playing it, thought I might quit it relatively quickly because it would just, I don't, I don't want to slag it off. Like the visuals were not what I'm used to. Is that fair? Yeah. Is that a kind well, way of putting it? Yeah, because that, that was a PS4 game as well, right? Like that was, because mm. the, the, there'd already been a sequel. Um, yes, but I wanted to play, like I wanted to jump in. I didn't want to jump into the Accuser series. So I thought I would totally. play Judgment is like a side uh, a side hustle for the yeah. Accuser series. And the first like two to three hours of those games, I feel like they are always a slog where there is so much talking and backstory and, and info dumping. But man, and you're kind of just like, let me play the game. I'm, but you know what? I'm into it. I've, I'm nice. like, I'm a few hours down now, and I'm, I'm really enjoying it. And even the visuals, I'm, I'm used to now, so it's all good. Uh, the combat's fun, but the the detective side of it is cool. And yeah, the the way it sets up like this suspect, and you've got to go and interview this person, and you've got to get information about this is a bit of a weird game. I'm gonna, get, I'll give you that. But as an introduction to the world of Yakuza, and, and so. I should say one of the reasons I chose to play that one is because I actually read a write-up that said it is a good introduction to that world because it doesn't um, it doesn't throw you in quite as harshly and it's sort of a side game thing. So yeah, yeah. So there we go. It's decent, but nice. yeah, I'm really enjoying it. Really enjoying it. Yeah, I've always wondered about Judgment because you know it's interesting. The LA Noir sort of comparison you made is something that kind of sticks out to me as well. And I always think to myself, well, actually, if it's got a lot of the fundamentals of Yakuza in terms of you know that really over the top, high octane uh, melee action, but also having kind of like the zany characters and side quests and a you know explorable either hubs or mini open worlds with arcades that you can go into and play like actual old like. Namco, whatever it is. I like, played oh, Virtual oh. Fighter Five already on a on a little. Uh, yeah, there you go. Like if it's got all of that and also some detective shit, then maybe I'd like it more. But um, I I was on a sort of a a gap in my um, Ryu Gagatoku, whatever you probably pronounce that studio, sort of like playing because I'd already fallen off Yakuza Zero, which right. I don't know if that came up in your research. Is another one that some people say is like a good entry point because it's a prequel. Right. Um, but uh, but I yeah that was one where like I got four or five hours in and I didn't hate it but I was like I'm listening to a lot of talking and <laughs> yeah and and yeah like uh, uh, I was about to make like an amateur dramatics kind of like you know kind of amateur theater kind of comparison I don't know if it's the I don't know uh, you know I'm not I'm not going to say anything because I probably I know there are a lot of real really diehard fans of those series out there but sometimes a lot of the the delivery on the voice lines, even playing in the the native uh, Japanese, not using the dub, is very. Um, oh, um, <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't right. know. I'm, I, I want to be polite. Um, I'm, I did the same. I went for the uh, Japanese 
uh, language with the English dub uh, uh, subtitles. Because yeah. I, I I find it weird when you play Japanese games with English dubbing, just because I'm like, this isn't how this was supposed to be made. So I should probably play it how it's supposed to be made. Well, I, I'm not trying to change your mind though. Uh, one interesting factoid though: if you had decided to play the dubbed version of Judgment, the uh, in listening to the protagonist, you would have been listening to the voice of someone that Steph and I actually met. Back in the um, okay. ATG days, we got invited to um, a preview session for Judgment, and like one of the things was like, "Oh, and this guy is here. the The English voice of the protagonist is here." And nice. it was really as simple as that. They had all the you know the station set up for you to play the game for like three hours, and he just kind of sat there, and you could go up and talk to him. It was almost like a weird like. I don't know what I'm, the way I imagine freak shows worked back in the day was like <laughs> we got a kid with five legs. Just come and look at him. And so, I that that sound. I'm sure it's not. That sounds to me like I imagine cons are when they have all the people sit behind the tables and you can pay like twenty quid to go and like say hello to the, Actually, the yeah ensign from episode five of Star Trek season like. And I'm like, that's weird, man. I don't know if I'm yeah. into that. It was like who am that, I kidding? I would be so into that, but it still th- it still comes across as a little weird. It is a little weird. Uh, it, uh... And uh, especially, but it, but it was cool. And he was actually quite a chill guy. Um, okay, nice. Um, so that made it all right. Um, speaking of things that seem to be all right against uh, against all odds and all expectations, Jonesy, um, I've been playing a little bit of X Defiant. Nice. Do you remember, do you remember that? The, the artist formerly known as Tom Clancy's X Defiant. Um, subject, what, oh, I'm going to forget it now. What was, the, what was the tagline that we derived oh, them for endlessly? Punk. Something of. Punk rock uh, mosh pit was part of it. Punk rock mosh pit. But I, that's all I can remember. But no, I don't. I don't remember anymore. Because it's funny you say that. Because I actually saw a couple of tweets about this about people saying it's surprisingly good, and I was like, okay, yeah, interesting. Like, I kind of don't know what happened. Like it felt like ever since that initial reveal as Tom Clancy's X to fight when they put out that you know that very as we've already established poorly worded uh, you know piece of uh, poorly worded statement about the game and what they were shooting for, no pun intended. Uh, it kind of went radio silent for a little while. It has popped back up now. Uh, they seem to have dropped the Tom Clancy's part from the branding, which uh, was a comment and an observation a lot of people made at the time. And uh, the game is now in closed beta, but it's um, relatively easy to get in. I think, for example, they have partnered with a bunch of streamers, and I think you only need to watch a stream for 30 minutes to get a key, although that key isn't... That key is an activation key to then get entered with a like a not a chance, but to then get yourself on a list to get sent the real key. So it was a bit of a fight. Right. Um, but I have now uh, played uh, a little bit of it, not a huge amount. Um, and so for anyone that doesn't know, this is a this is a what will be a free to play PvP first person shooter game. Um, that I'll be honest, if I'm going to jump straight to the heart straight to the heart of it. It seems to be trying to distill the Call of Duty multiplayer formula into a free-to-play package. So um, one thing that's slightly different is everything seems slightly more objective-oriented. So there's no team deathmatch in the beta at the moment. There's sort of like um, um, uh, like basically variations on modes like uh, domination and headquarters. Um, so they're still trying to get some kind of like movement and, and objective-based gameplay. Um, but fundamentally, everything feels driven around shooting bad guys, um, that being the other team in this case. Um, 
six v six. The the kind of Ubisoft link is that all the characters are made up um, of uh, people from various groups that have existed across other Ubisoft franchises. So there's the hackery people from Watch Dogs. There's the guerrilla people from Far Cry. The stealthy people from Splinter Cell. Um, the gassy flamethrowery people from the division. They've kind of got these archetypes from the different games and. You essentially each one is represented by one or three characters, so you choose which what each character which character you like from each group, and you can customize them with looks and skins. You can already see a bit of a battle battle pass in the beta, um, and each of them also has their own uh, abilities, which seem to be kind of like an act like an active ability on a cooldown with L one and um, and an alt an ultimate with uh, I presume it's L L one and R one. Um, uh, with R1 remaining a grenade. So I played as one of the splinter celery people, and uh, on a cooldown, if I pressed L1, I put a pulse out, and it would show me if there were any any, any enemies nearby in that pulse, although it was very uh, short range. And my ultimate ability was I would like turn into Sam Fisher, basically, and I would get access to Sam Fisher's pistol and um, be able to go around and shoot people and like see them through walls and, and stuff like that. Nice. Um, like it seemed like the Far Cry careers were were based around like healing. Um, there was uh, and and also each of the factions has uh, a choice of one of two um, a, a sort of optional active uh, L one abilities. Um, but yeah, to kind of loop back around to the gameplay, it really seemed like they're gunning for that Call of Duty style feel. Like the but the six v six, the map the map sizes, the maps are also all kind of all based off or inspired very by various Ubisoft franchises. Um, yeah, the, the the movement, the kind of like how kinetic everything was. It's like the upgrade system. Like, hey, what if I were to tell you that at the start of the game you have like an M four A one that is level one, and the more people you shoot with it, the higher up the level, higher higher level it goes. And when you get to level three, you get a red dot sight on it. And when you get to level fifteen, you can put a silencer on it, and so on and so forth. Like, it feels like, and I don't want to read between the lines here. It feels like they've looked at the free to play shooter market and said that. You know, there's Counter-Strike and Counter-Strike spin-offs on cl- clones like Valorant. There's, you know, Overwatch and sort of like a lot of that sort of like hero-based and um, ob- objective-based stuff. There aren't many people who make a free-to-play, bulls-out free-to-play title that are just like, we're trying to be the Call of Duty you don't pay for. Like, right. if you think about like that kind of, that pace and that style of action, that st- style of FPS gunplay, there aren't many games and i mean people in the chat please correct me but i can't think of many free-to-play titles that really go for that space that really attack it and it feels like there's a bit of um what ubisoft are doing that is trying to go for that mantle i don't know if it will work but i can tell you they haven't made a bad effort like i had fun with x defiant um it It sounds surprising that ubisoft have managed to do to be the ones to maybe fill that gap because if you'd have said to me would that be possible for them I would have said I don't know. Like I've never felt I've never felt that feeling before from any of their titles, so I would have been surprised. But that sounds like a really smart play, as we've said before. Someone else is doing it right. Don't try and you know reinvent it. Yeah. Maybe just take some of their ideas and run with it. Well, because it makes sense, right? Because if someone came to you and like like Jonesy, I want to play a first person shooter, and I don't have any money to spend. Where would you send them? Like you could send them to Overwatch. You can send them to. Uh, like I said, CS or Valorant. You could send them to like, you know, Destiny. Um, it, there are certain games out there that are that not all the content, but the base games are functionally free, like Rainbow Six Siege, yeah. which is another Ubisoft joint. But like, there's nothing 
that is exactly that that tries to be like Call of Duty that you can just play on a whim. And I think if X Defiant can fill that gap, I think there might be something there. I don't know. Right. And the other thing, it does feel like they're doing, and this is something I've seen, this isn't necessarily coming from personal experience because I'm not that guy, but I've seen a bit on social media, is it feels like they're trying to plug a gap left by quote-unquote old-school Call of Duty that the more modern iterations of Call of Duty have slightly left behind. So right. it's almost like if there is a nostalgia for like the Black Ops 2 or the... Uh, or even like the advanced warfare or infinite warfare kind of era of of Call of Duty. Basically, everything prior to um, Modern Warfare 2019. Right. They may be trying to angle into that spot, and and like a lot of the people I've seen playing it are, are Call of Duty players or former Call of Duty players. There were times at Twitch um, over the weekend where um, X Defiant seemed to be doing better. Than, uh, than than Warzone and the Modern Warfare, although with drops active, you know you have to factor that in. Um, it's an interesting yep. one. Do you reckon they dropped the Tom Clancy because it was basically Ubisoft's X Defiant? So they were like, why why were you just messing around? I think I think I think so. Yeah, because I, I, again, I don't remember the original um, pitch and that, and that trailer that we love riffing on so much, and whether or not like. Watchdogs was there or Far Cry was there. I don't think but- it was. I think it was Tom. Cl- I think the whole thing was it was Tom Clancy like uh, clans. T- that, that's why it made sense is to be Tom Clancy. So I wonder if the difference is they've dropped it because they've actually realised the way forward is to use some of their other um, IP. Maybe it would make it. sense. Yeah, it would make sense. And like I think having those factions based on those different games, but without roping in any sort of recognizable characters, means that there's an interesting variety. It doesn't seem like there are any limits to the way teams are uh, team comp work. So uh, it's a six v six, but I was able to pick whoever I wanted every time. So you know you could have a team full of Far Cry people, um, but I'm sure obviously the most um, efficient result will be a mix of of different elements. Um, and yeah, all the progression seemed tied to actually playing the game. I should say all the unlocks seemed tied to actually playing the game in by way of weapons, attachments, and so forth. And that was really all it felt like I was vying for, was more weapons and more attachments for those weapons. Uh, though, like I said, there was a battle pass present in the, in the beta, but everything in there was cosmetic, uh, weapon skins or character skins, um, and or like ways of customizing your you know badge. So, I mean... You'd like to think that by this point, after so many years with a very confusing slate and so many, you know, notable misses, even in the free-to-play space, I mean, God knows where something like Roller Champions is at uh, at this point in time. It would be nice if Ubisoft, um, you know, actually got a, a bit of a win, actually managed to make the right thing at the right time for once. Hyperscape, of course, another one that sort of like came and died, you know, unbelievably quickly just complete misread of what the battle royale space needed at the time so it's going to be interesting like i said to see if this is the thing that sticks for them in that free-to-play push um and how people kind of respond to it over time and no release date as of yet right for the um the actual game to drop there's there's still um i um i think uh there's because it's close this you said this is a closed beta you got the key from a drop right yeah so this is closed beta but i think it's running for about another week and then free to play on launch. That's all I know about it. Cool, interesting. Um, One to watch which, for sure. Which, yeah, and yeah, free to play means that you know that's a relatively risk free dabble for anyone that's even halfway interested, right? Like, I, talking about the, all those games that either died or probably will die. Like, yes, I, I did play some Roller Champions, and I did play 
um, some Hyperscape, and I will play some The Division Heartland and, and so on and so forth. Um, so, you know, that's, there's nothing painful about the free-to-play entry point. you just got to keep people's attention once they're there, right? Yeah, no, agreed. Agreed, definitely. Yes. Um, and, hey, if you can't keep people's attentions well enough, then maybe you just need to go back to the drawing board and rethink what you've got on your plate and and how you want to communicate that with players in a way that might be uh, slightly more palatable to them. Although exactly how long you go back to the drawing board will itself um, be up for scrutiny as well, as is the case with a Suicide Squad, Kill the Justice League, what was about to be, what was literally a month away from being the latest uh, video game from Rocksteady uh, of Batman Arkham fame, um, and is now considerably further away, Jonesy, because um, we talked about the fact that uh, Jason Schreier and Bloomberg and, and a few others had speculated that a delay was uh, would be coming uh, almost immediately after its um, rather... Uh, controversial, let's say, a state of play showing um, a handful of weeks ago, months ago, I can't even remember now. Um, but long story short, that delay has now be con- been confirmed. The game will now launch on, get this, February 2nd, 2024, which marks, well, a, a, a 10-month delay, even from this point, um, a pretty considerable, um, I, I, I mean, when we talked about it a couple of weeks ago and we talked about the rumours that it was going to be delayed, did you ever see it being this heavy? I, I can't I can't remember at the time what I thought. I suppose the thing it always comes down to, and we always say, is if a game is delayed by a matter of months, then it's not an issue with the game, like not usually not being finished because it's just far too late. But if you're going to delay it to fix something like major, then you need to give you, that you need at least like a year to do it. And so this is a, yeah, this is a massive delay. I don't think, I didn't think it'd be delayed by this much, but then I, yeah. it's interesting because um, wasn't Gotham Knights delayed by like six months after it had its terrible uh, trailer and everyone was kind of saying, what well, this, you know, wasn't looking great and, and people were really worried about it. And then of course the trailer for this and everyone was very worried about it and saying the same thing. And it's bizarre to even consider that these two games would be in the same kind of area when it comes to, oh God, what have they done? Like Gotham right. Knights seemed to be uh, something that was, you know, it was always going to struggle. And we just assumed Rocksteady had the pedigree to get this out um, as a fantastic game. You don't need to worry. It's Rocksteady. It's going to be amazing. Uh, come on, man. They made Batman. They made the Arkham series. This is going to be incredible. And then we got to see a bit of um, uh, what the game actually looked like. And I think that's when we all sort of got a little bit worried. Um Yeah. Some of the things I think jump out at me that worried me for things like, and I think we talked about it, was uh, characters using the same weapons, even though they seem to have like no difference. The the characters seem to be effectively be skins. They didn't seem to be as as differentiated as we hoped. The fact that the game basically looked like, um, oh, what what is it called? Uh, I always forget the name of it. The pretty, Outriders. No, no, it was the it was the, the 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 aliens that were coming down, and you had to use like the gun. Sunset Overdrive. Sunset Overdrive. It looked like Sunset Overdrive for the modern age, and Sunset Overdrive was wicked. But I mean, it was it was wicked because of what it was. This was not. Then that's not what we were expecting from Rocksteady. Um, yeah, and it just didn't look great, man. So I'm I'm not surprised though, really, when I when I think about it. I, I guess I'm not totally surprised either, but like one of the things that I think is interesting about this time scale is something you just kind of like hinted at then. You know, we talked before about, you know, like Halo Infinite, for example, which did get that entire year delay and 
Um, we don't know a huge amount about what changed in that year beyond the difference between that initial single-player um, gameplay reveal and, and what the finished product looked like. But what can you do? Let's call this like what it is. It's, 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 like it's 10 months from now. Probably slightly less so when you consider the fact that you know you need to sort of like go 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 gold and be ready to print and and start post game support and so on and so forth. Like you you can't overhaul some of the things that we just we thought and that you just addressed as being wrong with what we saw in that reveal, right? Like Jason Schreier has been very outspoken on this in the last couple of days at the time of recording, saying this is not an overhaul. They are not changing the game, but this is polishing and fixing time. If you do, you think if we look back around in January of next year, say, and we just have a shinier, more polished version of a similar game, like, what are we dealing with at that point? If the Double Fine Odyssey, yeah, has taught me anything, it is that the thing that takes time is story, asset production, um, level design, and all of that stuff, and that actually you can do a lot in ten months, a year. You can do a lot. You can do a lot of rebalancing. You can do a lot of changing feel. You can do a lot of like even when how missions execute over the course of a level. Um, I think you can actually have a decent amount of effect. So I wonder if what they're doing is like taking what they've currently got, you know, that we saw that wasn't great and just saying out out of the ingredients they already have, how do they get the best game possible out of what they've currently got? I think they could get something decently different in feel um yeah i don't think yeah no i'm totally with you though you can't you can't redo cutscenes and voice lines dialogue you can't redo sto- um objectives and stories in that sense like the overarching stuff but you can do the small stuff um right we, we although saying that gotham knights is like not to bring it up again but that's a game that you could feel the stuff that they changed in the game even after like how many delays it had, because it felt bad. Like some things just felt really bad, and you were like, "Oh, this they've changed this." It's the Matrix. Right. It's Mouse in the Matrix where he opens the curtains and there's the rock wall, and he goes, "Oh, that's what they changed." Yeah, the, the frame is still there, but instead of glass, it's brick. It's brick, and it doesn't right, look yeah. right, but it does. It serves a purpose. Gotham Knights did that, right? They had things in that where you were like, "This isn't good," but it's probably better than what was there before. So I wonder if it's going to be some. Oh, this is what they changed you don't maybe you don't use all the same weapons across all the same characters maybe they've slowed some characters some characters down sped some up improved some bat some uh, combat maybe it's difficult to know it's, as you said it's, it's it, is, it is and, and and you're right like like last minute changes and stuff like that do lead to weird gotham like situations and where you're absolutely right like there were sort of remnants in that game of what felt like could have been totally different systems or like an or of something from a game that could have existed in a very different genre uh far more sort of like live action oriented excuse me, not live service oriented not um live action um and that that is a pitfall that rock city will be keen to avoid if they are trying to cram as many changes in as they can in you know what seems like a very long time but i but i'm sure uh, you know as we uh, you mentioned you know, double fine psychodices. We all know ten months in the creative space can go by in the blink of an eye when you're when you're working flat out on something. And I also do have a. I must admit, I, for as much as they may have been more prepared for it and more informed on it as uh, than we were on the on the on the public side, I do have a lot of sympathy for uh, developers and uh, and anyone on the Rock City team who has probably been crunching. You know, let, let's be real, because the game was at one point a month away from release or. Uh, 
at least at present, it would have been a month away from release. Uh, could have been crunching for the last couple of months and then would have come in one day and would like, hey, uh, we know you thought you were just about to cross the finish line and get this thing out there and finally, you know, see the, the fruits of your labor. But actually, you're going to be working on this thing for another 10 months. Like, I can't imagine how uh, deep your heart must sink when you hear news like that if you were looking forward to getting this thing over the line and, and finally just letting people, the world, uh, see what you've been working on, especially in the case of a studio that hasn't released in a video, a release a video game by, I mean, if we look at February 2024, it'll be close to nine years, just shy of, of nine years, which is... Um, which is hard. Which is, that's I, I the most horrifying is, point, point. Jason, that was... Sorry, I was, that was a porn point that Jason Tri did make, is that delaying a game for 10 months, not unusual. Not releasing a game for nine years, unusual. It, it makes, That's the part that makes me sad for the developers and for all the people who work at Rocksteady is is if they like they ca- they came out of an idea for a game they've made it maybe they have made the best game they can they've shown it off and in the current climate whatever people looked at it and said that's not what we want they're going to go away try and fix it bring something back in 10 months there is every possibility that everyone says everyone says um that some people say hey this isn't this isn't that good this isn't what i was hoping for from you know from rocksteady there's a, every chance that a lot of people really like it however whatever it is um and you then get into the weird position that you, they could have spent nine years to have a mediocre game, and then we could wait nine years for another game from them, which you then get you're getting on for like two decades. And if you had to say what's the game that you've released in the last two decades, and you'd be like, oh, it was a mediocre game that was that was only okay. Yeah, yeah. Which is a horrible. Like, like, I, I that sound to me sounds horrible. Like I couldn't imagine being in that kind of position if they were them. Yeah, like that, one of the one of the really, really kind of cruel things about the games industry in particular is as, as things are shifted around, delayed, obviously cancelled as NDA strike. Yeah, yeah, it must be weird walking around town with a CV that says, I've worked in the games industry for the last decade, I promise. Um, you know, <laughs> I promise, yeah. Yeah. Um, it, but it will be interesting to see, and I think people are going to have to brace themselves that, much like you said, Jonesy, while there are lots of little things that can happen in the course of 10 months, anyone expecting this to come back and to either no longer be a live service game or no longer be a sort of like a like a four-player co-op third person, like a lot of the, the fundamentals, like the backbone of the game that we saw, and a lot of the things that kind of, I think, turn people off in that state of play, I just don't think they go away. The one thing that is rumoured to be worked on is the the always online component. Um, right. There were some rumours last week that they were trying to work that out of the game and perhaps be able to present some version of this that's like, no, you can have an offline, single-player-only experience and get a good story out of it with reliable AI companions. That will, I'm sure, um, you know, save some face in the case of some people, but... Broadly speaking, there are all, there are going to be people who look at this in February of next year and still see um, a battle pass, and still see you know post-launch support, and still see you know repeatable missions and objectives and coloured loot and incremental improvements between one gun and another. And I like no, thank you. Um, that's just the nature of the beast, I think. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, unfortunately. It is unfortunate, but you know what's slightly less unfortunate and probably helps uh, a company like Warner Brothers make a decision around allowing a game to be delayed for 10 months is when another game you've just released sells 256 more, uh, 256% more than initially expected, as is the case with Hogwarts Legacy. That is, um, I mean, certainly we talked about it before. We talked about how you know well it was 
trending uh, prior to release. We talked about how popular it looked and some of the numbers it was putting up in that sort of first week or so. Now the kind of you know, the, the dust the dust is settling with the cold hard facts. Um, this game is an absolute monster, um, and a lot of these facts come from Warner Brothers Entertainment senior senior global brand manager um, Arian Darby. Uh, via the, their LinkedIn. So, as I already mentioned, Hogwarts Legacy sold 256% more than expected. That equates to, this is just in the first two weeks, mind, 12 million units and $850 million plus. So, who knows how big a plus that could be? That is, um, that is big, isn't it? For, like, for, for a game from a, a movie franchise that's from a book, like, the only, thing, the only one like, sort of comparable, I suppose, is something like The Witcher. You know, it's like a multi-media uh, platform. Like, come from there's books, there's t- there's films or TV, and there's games. Like, it's that is pretty big. But Harry Potter is massive, yeah, isn't it? yeah. I was gonna say like Harry general. Potter does feel like it exists on another level when it comes to like Harry Potter's in the in 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 the same reign as vein as like as like. Well, I think it's above Lord of the Rings. It's kind of in that territory of like the. You know the Star Wars is in the uh, in the. MCU I forgot. There. I forgot all about Lord. How can I forget about the Lord of the Rings games? Of course, the uh, like probably the uh, what the biggest franchise to do that same thing, like book to movie to to games. But yeah, yeah. But like, I think Harry Potter increasingly over the years has kind of like eclipsed Lord of the Rings, and I, honestly, I think Hogwarts Legacy proves this. I don't think a even a critically acclaimed. Lord of the Rings game does what Hogwarts Legacy uh, has done and and reaches as many people and touches as many people. I mean, also noted here is that it broke the all-time Twitch record for the most peak concurrent viewers ever for a single-player game with 1.3 million views. Um, and all of this comes before the current-gen versions of the game have even been released. They're coming out on May 5th, and the Switch uh, version of the game launches on July 25th. It's worth noting that when you talk about the Switch and current-gen consoles, uh, or previous-gen consoles, whatever you want to call them, you are talking about hundreds of millions of units, you know, still sat under televisions around the world, still getting pretty damn regular usage, and I guarantee a lot of them um, are also pretty hot and heavy for Harry Potter. J.K. Rowling be damned. Um, that, I can't, that's a weird one, though, man. Like... I can see why people play games on the Switch. Like there are some games which are much better on the Switch. That is a console that is built for some games beautifully, and you know some games are built for it beautifully. Like uh, you know, Tears of the Sun, um, Tears of the Sun, Tears of the Kingdom. <laughs> that not that nineties. Tears 90s, of the Sun movie. Not that, yeah. yeah, not that nineties. Uh, the Bruce Willis movie. Um, <laughs> um, like they're made for it, and I totally get that. Hogwarts Legacy, less so. That is a game that if you want that yeah. to run well and not have fog everywhere uh, and not like have some janky looking textures, you need a, a reasonably powerful system. And I'm not sure the Switch is quite up to it. But if it's your only console, maybe, yeah. Yeah, and I do, there are a lot of people who own the Switch who are and kind of have to be by necessity because they own a Switch, kind of blind to a lot of that stuff. Like they will accept... Uh, pretty uh, grubby resolutions and pretty grubby frame rates if they need to. Uh, I am someone who attempted to play a certain amount of The Witcher 3 on the on the Nintendo Switch and gave up because it looked like it was melting before my very eyes. And I was like, I could be playing this on any other number of platforms. And I did. Um, so it, it's one of those things I think some people are not necessarily immune to it, but certainly uh, more ready to accept the kind of the... 
the lesser resolution and lesser performance that comes with playing a game like Hogwarts Legacy on the Switch, and I'm sure it's still going to sell gangbusters on top of the the outrageous numbers it's already done. Um, and I, I guess it's just one of those things where, like it, like it, it's it's the perfect storm, right? Like it's it's a popular IP that's still, again, for all the controversy that's you know. You know, like I don't know if that only exists on Twitter. This maybe suggests that it exists more on Twitter than it does in the real world. Um, but a lot of people out there still have a lot of love for Harry Potter in that universe. Um, like a lot of people have wanted an open world. Hey, let me be a fucking wizard game for a very long time. Someone just nutted up and said, "Yeah, we're going to make that," and it worked. And it does. There is a part of me that just feels like that. Like this is the giving the people what they want factor that actually, if you, sometimes if you listen to the internet, it will work in a similar way to like, hey, I think if someone remastered the Simpsons Hit and Run, it would sell <laughs> millions of units. I don't think the internet is lying to you. Yes, no, and sometimes you need to get, like you said, if you give people what they want, they'll buy it and it'll work, uh, and that's exactly what they. I th- we're just talking about how games are made, and you know, and, and sort of talking about how. Um, how big they are and unwieldy they can be. Porky Games, mm. I did not have that much faith in them doing exactly what they needed to do, but they absolutely nailed it with this. Like, make a world which looks like Hogwarts, which feels like Hogwarts, and you don't have to make the best game ever. I mean, they didn't make the best game ever. They didn't make the um, the, the best optimized game ever. It didn't do... Uh, if it was another IP, if it was um, a brand new IP, if it was a new, you know, uh, AAA game coming out of another studio, I'm sure people would have been much more critical because it wouldn't have had the love and everything into it. But they did exactly what they need to do. They delivered on that and, and fair play to them. Um, they they yeah. did something that sold absolutely insanely well. Yeah. And and you've got to imagine, um, even with a lot of the kind of the uncertainty at times that appears to surround Warner Brothers with, you know, various mergers and and acquisitions and and things going uh all over the place uh you've got to imagine someone somewhere is looking at the uh looking at the books and saying well how quickly can we get a second one off the ground um so you've got to imagine that when it comes to uh the hogwarts legacy uh franchise capacity that's uh very much a watch this space situation i actually wanted to mention that because so i had already heard that hbo had bought um, or uh, there's been a series based on Hogwarts Legacy, uh, which is HBO are going to be making. I'm not exactly sure. Um, I don't know if it, how accurate that is. It was like a, it was a thread on Twitter that someone had sort of said. But then today, um, funnily enough, I saw that um, they are making a, uh, a live action Harry Potter TV series with yeah. J.K. Rowling as executive producer, which well, is effectively going to be the books, um, which is what the movies are. And I was... Wait, wait, wait. I was surprised. We, we talked about this last week because you brought up the HBO Hogwarts Legacy thing, and I got confused. I thought you were talking about this other project, right? The kind of the of reboot, course, yeah. or like almost like a live action TV series based on the books. It's almost like a readaptation of the novels. It's weird, right? It is. It is weird. No, sorry, I forgot. I did forget that you even mentioned about that. But you know, then that and I was reading about that today because I think it was um, uh, some extra information about like, oh, it's going to be. It's like a ten year long. Uh, run or, or at least eight series or something and it's going to be much more um, apparently much more in keeping with the books as they were written but I'm like I was then saying to like my wife I was like well this is mental why are they making 
they're remaking the films as a TV show. Like, how is that going to be popular? And she pointed out to me that the first film came out like 23 years ago. And actually, if you're talking about remakes, that's that. When I was a kid, I would not have been surprised at all if they'd have remade something from the seventies. I would have gone, oh, from the from the age old seventies uh, when when old people lived. Like I would have been totally on board of them remaking something. So yeah, um, yeah, it is true. It is true. It seems but, weird, man. It just seems very strange. Yes, especially like because they put out like a little sort of teaser thing, and uh, look, they haven't started production yet, so this is all obvious. But it's like to tease the fact that this had been announced. They did some like like little video and it still had the same Hogwarts in it from the movies and it still had the score in it from the movies. It's like in in making me aware that this new product is coming, you're reminding me about how difficult it will be to separate my current vision um, and like memory of that world and of the, this universe. Uh, like that it's so inherently attached to those movies it's going to be so hard to go into this and be like that's Hermione now and that's Harry now and that's Ron now mm. and like and watching I'd like I don't know reinterpretations of like yeah what Hogwarts looks like or what the main Harry Potter theme looks like the idea that someone's going to have to I don't know how that's going to work but the idea of any of that being sort of like redone for the sake of redoing it is 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 a slightly perplexing idea um much the same as it would be like hey like so amazon went out and bought the lord of the rings rights for all that money and decided to make a new series that's great if they said the next step was to readapt the like the fellowship of the ring as a tv show and like you know like, like, what <laughs> yeah and, and and this time like with like with like the shire's gonna look different and we're gonna have a new gandalf and a new frodo and a new ever and you'd just be like i can't that my brain that like you've done that like don't like my brain it's I don't I'm I'm trying not to be static I'm trying not to be negative but there's that's a really difficult thing to shift when you have such a heavy association with something I I I don't know anything about her so I, and you know I've never read the book so I don't want to um I I don't want to put words or in people's mouths but I part of me is like. Is J.K. Rowling not rich enough? <laughs> she's she's like made billions off of the um, the movies. You need to make billions off the TV show. Like, come on, love, write a new book then. Like, do you know what I mean? Write something else. Yeah. Expand it. She's the executive. Do you think that she's pulling the strings? Like, I I I got the impression that the you know Warner Brothers and HBO pull all the strings on this, and she's just like, yeah, you can pay me for that if you want. Maybe, maybe I I assumed as that she was exec producing that. Uh, that maybe has a little bit more influence, but maybe not. Like, yeah, maybe you're absolutely right. And, and to be to be know. fair, I'm sure you. I'm sure you are. Like, I'm sure someone else has just come to her and said, "Oh, you know that stuff you own, the IP. Can we just give you money to remake it so we can make shit tons of cash?" And she's like, "Um, yeah, I could do with another wing on my uh, stately home or whatever the hell she lives. I've got no idea." Oh, but, um, so weird. Yeah. Also weird that I think that was all kind of announced and packaged up at the same time as the kind of all the HBO merger stuff happened and they dropped the HBO from their name, right? And now that streaming service, which to be fair, isn't even oh, available Matt, here just in the UK. Max. Yeah, it's just Max, which yeah. a lot of people were very rightly pointing out on Twitter, like the brand recognition and the strength of the branding in HBO is like, it, it's it's been an ever present for so long and like, and been associated with high quality, like the highest quality prestige television for decades. I don't know why you'd, you drop that side of the naming, but there we go. Um, that, yeah, I, I genuinely don't understand. Like, to me, that's that's the thing you don't do is to take the good part of your name and just, like, 
chuck it in the bin. Like, why would you? Also, to call it max, like, that's not good. You've used a generic term. Like, loads of stuff has to be to the max, to the, this to the max, that to the max. Walkers I want to go max. Crisps. We're going to be called max. Like, why? HBO is sick. Go with HBO. Yeah. Own box it's like, yeah. yeah, oh yeah. I am watching something high quality. It's like so it, it's it's almost one of those things where you can say, Do you know why they call it home box office? Because back in the it's like when cinemas are dead, uh, HBO can say there used to be a thing, uh, a box office at a cinema, and we harkened back to the days of and they're like, No, 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 get rid of that. We're just gonna call Max now. Like, why? You've lost yeah, it, man. Exactly. Next you'll tell no me they're gonna get rid of the, the 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 white noise with the HBO and the they're gonna get rid of that. Oh, Oh yeah, they probably will. I don't. I don't. Obviously, we can't use that app, so I don't know how it's all presented. Yeah. But you're right. A uh, shitty name and no cool story behind it. Like there are plenty of other streaming services out there that do have cool stories behind their name. Like someone sat down one day and said, "Well, what if my favorite nickname for movies is Flicks? And what if I wanted to watch them on the net?" And all of a sudden, a little one simple portmanteau later, you have um. One of the leading streaming services on the planet, in the form, of course, of Netflix, who have been making headlines this week, Jonesy, but not for TV reasons or for movie reasons, but for gaming reasons. Because obviously, um, they've been growing their presence very slowly, as we were discussing just prior to going live in the games industry over the last couple of years, making a few acquisitions here and there, mostly coming in the form of studios. Um, not 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 much yet in the name of, uh, in, but in the way of big name talent, um, or even necessarily confirming the scale of their ambitions. But we do know a little bit more about that now, and it all has to do with the recent departure of Joseph Staten from Three Four Three Industries. Um, so, yeah, the the word around Joseph Staten's departure started swirling. I think. Maybe about a week ago, maybe inside the last week. Because um, well, he, yeah, I think he tweeted out, right? He said that he was leaving. Um, and like it was the typical, love my time. Because uh, he'd only been back at Microsoft proper, was it this year? And then he went, because he was at 343 Industries, then he went back to Microsoft the, earlier this year. And then he tweeted out last week that he was leaving Microsoft. The, oh, loved it. It's been fantastic. Great people, but I need yeah, to like, start my he's, journey. He's basically, he's like an OG Halo guy, right? Like that's the that's the simple way of looking at it. Like he was at uh, Bungie in the early stages of Halo, heavily involved in the writing and in some cases uh, directing of uh, that original trilogy. I think all the way up to ODST, um, and I think he even did some work on Destiny. I think I remember reading. Uh, but yes, he was kind of back and forth. He spent some time uh, at, in Xbox Game Studios publishing department, um, and then also at 343 uh, to be head of creative uh, on Halo Infinite. Um, but yes, it looks like he's willing to, or is ready to, wave the Halo side of his history goodbye, uh, which kind of leaves them in an interesting spot, uh, for what it's worth, um, and has accepted a role as creative director on, this is the interesting part, perhaps, Jonesy, a new AAA IP for Netflix games. Um, as I mentioned earlier, it's been a little bit tricky up to now to know exactly what Netflix's ambitions in the gaming scene are. Like, are they just happy to get more small independent titles that that uh, work on, on an iOS or Android device and they can allow you to access them through the app, for example? This suggests that perhaps the answer is no, uh, because when you talk about a AAA IP, you're kind of invoking a certain sense of scale, right? You'd, yeah, you'd think so. And then, it, of course, we start to ask the questions about 
where do you play this uh, this triple A right. game? Right. What yeah. are we? Are we do, is it on? Is it going to be on the app, or is it? Are you going to do something different? Is it actually going to be I'm, launched on a games yeah. console? Like, I, are we going to see the Netflix logo on our PS fives? That do you know what the, the, we always invoke the name Netflix when we talk about like the Netflix of gaming, and we're sort of saying about you know oh is is Game Pass gonna be that? Is play a PlayStation gonna manage to do the Netflix of gaming? Is you know was Stadia gonna be the Netflix of gaming? Maybe Netflix are gonna be the Netflix of gaming, and you can download an app onto your PlayStation or your Xbox or your PC, and you can stream a game, and it is triple A. It's new IP and it is written by the caliber of writers um, that Joseph Stanton is, and uh, with that sort of background that he's got in writing all of the um, writing all the stuff he's written in the past. And hey, if if that's what they're doing, man, then fair play to them. I'm I'm keen for some. Um, I'm always keen for a new people getting in the ring. Yeah, do you know what I am too? But there's also a part of me that wants to take the slightly more. I'm caught between realistic and pessimistic uh, outlook on this one. <laughs> but all I'm going to say is that you're I just love saying the... that because you're usually right about this stuff. When you hear the, what I've got in my mind, you'll understand. But like, right. I, I love new players coming into the scene, and I love a company like like Netflix showing an enthusiasm for gaming. And even if they are up to this point going about it their own way, and and when people start. Uh, um, acquiring studios and greenlighting projects and so on and so forth, then then more great games get made and more great jobs get created for as long as those studios exist and those projects get worked on and so on and so forth. But unfortunately, uh, these endeavors are very long. They take a very long time. The results can be mixed, especially if you're new to it, and they can be very expensive, which either results in middling software or the software not coming out at all. And all I can think about when I see uh, studio acquisitions or big names saying, I'm making a big AAA IP with blank, is Stadia, who, for as much as they are Google, for as much as they are backed by even more billions of dollars than Netflix are backed by, and for as much as they had actual fucking hardware, like their own controllers and and, and, and like subscription services to, to push, they never were able to get their... I guess, quote-unquote, first-party, you know, pipeline working. And they did the same thing. They signed um, they signed uh, exclusive exclusivity deals with certain studios. They brought in big names. Jade Raymond of Assassin's Creed fame was, was there for a little while, and nothing ever happened. And you've got to imagine, and, like, that was millions of dollars that went out down the drain, and, like, they just, there was never a notable piece of exclusive Google Stadia software for as much as that's exactly what they needed netflix don't even need that that much and now they're telling us they're doing it i'd like do you know how long that takes do you know how much money that's going to cost you Do you know how difficult that's going to be it's the, that's that's the part that fascinates me is as well when you think about the fact of um because netflix originally they were like they would send you the dvds wouldn't they that, that was that's yeah, what they did yeah. when you see how far they've come to this point to like talking about making their own triple a games and it is kind of weird um but the, yeah no but hey I, i'd be interested to see what this is and how they and how they package it i think you're you've raised loads of valid concerns about what they're doing and how they're doing it and whether it works and companies do seem to do a thing as well where sometimes they'll say we've had this amazing idea and then you'll uh, like a year later we're like oh no it's the same idea as someone else had it didn't work for them either um but they thought they could do it for some reason um 
like I, I don't yeah because I can't really apart from it being a, a subscription service that you pay for like uh, what could Ubisoft call it like Ubisoft Plus or is it is it Ubisoft Plus they have oh god um, uh, they have a few different things like, yeah yeah I think you're right unless it's that kind of thing I mean I can totally see it that being you know like that or a Game Pass sort of thing I don't think they're going to solve the streaming problem um, yet I think that is a hardware problem which will be solved but. I, hey, I say it's five years away every few years and it never seems to be here quite yet. So, um, yeah, I don't know. But I'm going to make a shout now. I reckon I know what the, okay. the, the uh, IP is going to be. The Netflix is for, it's going to be Battle Kitty. That's what it's going to be. Is that a Netflix uh, owned IP? It is. Really? It is. A bit, oh, at least, uh, yeah, I'm pretty, but it's, it's a gamified Netflix show where you can like, decide where you go and use the, the remote oh. to like steer yourself I mean, around so uh, I, I, that's I think my that direction makes point. a lot of sense for them like I, I i think that if this ever comes to fruition what one of my guesses is that like the word triple a is gonna like like look we're gonna reflect on it and and put inverted commas around it you know where and that that it's really the simply talking about the fact that there will be some money put behind it but much like we talked about the fact that one of the studios they acquired was the team behind uh, Oxenfree and and After Party and currently working on Oxenfree too. Like I, I can see them making like a mid-sized, what we might have otherwise called triple I sized game, and then yeah, uh, finding a way to get some version of that that works natively on 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 smartphones and tablets as as they currently already have with the games available via. Uh, a Netflix subscription, and when, and maybe yeah, they they by that point found some kind of streaming solution for uh, the you know if you use the Netflix app on a on a on a on a home console for example, but it, at the moment it it's just they've just hired someone you know like <laughs> yeah that, that's all the that's all this is and so it makes it really hard to know. Um, they've also effectively hired a, they've hired a writer, so effectively at the moment it's like yes. They haven't even hired uh, someone who builds it themselves, so they've effectively gone, "Dude, we want you to to write us something wicked," and he's can, and then they can do whatever they want with it. The only thing they know right. at this point is they know budget, I guess. That's AAA. That's what at the end of the day, right? That's you can boil that down to. They know budget. They want to spend shit yeah. ton of money on something you've never seen before. I'm so. trying to think. A phasmophobia clone based on Wednesday. <laughs> a, full, a, a full guys clone based on physical 100 um would that be triple i don't that, that wouldn't be tr- neither none of these would be triple a though would they it needs, it needs to be that's the thing what does what does triple a mean but again like, but i think it's just if budget net, if 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 net yeah if netflix publish it and they spend enough on it then it's triple a and yeah, that's, that's, that's fair, where the fair. that's where it gets messy yeah you know? that's, like, that's very fair like i there's um i've talked in the past about how i've been a fan of a website called uh called giant bomb and they had a video series many, many years ago called "Bring Your B Game." Um, uh, the pun, hopefully, being being obvious, um, and all it was was a series where they sat down every week and they all brought one of their favourite "quote unquote" B games um, to to play through. And the reason they stopped it like as early as they did was because the, the every single week just devolved, devolved into a, them fighting between themselves over what constitutes a B game, whether or not something's a B game. And like right. one of the most contentious episodes very early on was them playing. I can't remember if it was the first or second, but Star Wars: The Force Unleashed. 
and it's like yeah but it's a you know it's a b game because it's like a seven out of ten like oh, you know that's not a b one game of, one of, exactly that's what they said it's like it's it's a fucking ea published star wars game that costs millions of dollars it's not a b game it's like yeah but you know you run around <laughs> and it's seven out of ten and telekinesis and it's a bit silly so yeah, it's a b game and it's like there's just no like it it becomes harder to quantify the sooner you let you know, you're kind of your, especially when your know, memory and nostalgia is involved. Like some things are B games in spirit, but you look at how much they cost and they're not. And mm. sometimes it go works the other way around. That's so interesting. I, I, I think most of the games in my head that I, even if I would try to list off B games, were probably all like main, like triple A games, but just from earlier times, if that makes sense. And they're peppered with some indies. I don't. I don't think there are that many B games that I've even played that I could say this was a B game. It's definitely not something like Force Unleashed. I mean, that's madness to say call that a B game. But yeah, that's yeah. A, that's an interesting one. That's very interesting. Have I? What? Gamespot made a list in 2015 of the eight best B games of all time. Okay. Um, interesting, and it, and it, it's a complete. It's again, it's a complete mixed bag. So there's some stuff here like. Like Deadly Premonition, which obviously, like, okay, in, like I, I could see that being a B game, and that's also just one where like its quirks became part of the appeal over time. But then Destroy All Humans, like, is kind that of a game. Like, I, I honestly, I can't remember the developer and publisher at this time, so I, like, it's, it's hard to say. But then later on, they get to Wolfenstein: The New Order, and it's like, well. Like machine games have like a pretty good pedigree, mm. and Bethesda you wouldn't say is a. But I, I, it's hard to quantify anything. Bethesda publishes as a B game, isn't it? I know a B. Okay, here you go. This is this is going to be contentious because it. I love the. I I love it. I love it, but Psychonauts. Is I that a yeah. B game? I think that's probably See, a B game. I think the first Psychonauts has to be a B game, right? Because it's like a essentially an, an independent studio. Um, it was like, I can't remember, who was the fucking, it was like Majesco or something like that. But it was published. published, wasn't it published by Microsoft? I thought it was published by Microsoft. I thought Microsoft rejected it and it got published by Majesco. I oh, thought that was the okay. that was the part of the joke of Psych Odyssey is he's got the folder from when Microsoft like rejected Psychonauts. Oh, right. Okay. Maybe I'm getting that confused. I, 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 let I, me, I let me, they were the ones on who the published fight. it in the end. Because then obviously then it being the fact that they, I thought it was that they published Psychonauts and then they bought them. Before Psychonauts Two came out, but no, I published, yeah, I by, published by Majesco. Majesco, okay. It was interesting. Um, Microsoft, so Microsoft dropped it. Oh, they okay. So you're right. Yeah, yeah, they did. I, yeah, I, yeah. I'm misremembering that part of the doc. But yeah, like Double Fine was still independent at the time. Majesco, um, I don't know if this is me being biased because, um, well, Majesco is still around, aren't they? <laughs> They've Ooh, just been no bought idea. a bunch of. Uh, they've just been bought a bunch of times. And I don't know if, what they do anymore. Like, they're that's they're now just called Max. <laughs> yeah, there you go. The perfect rebranding. A great two-tone new logo as well, which is instantly recognisable and definitely, uh, definitely stands out. Um, yeah, a messy subject, um, and that means it's great uh, if you want to get into a fight with someone in the comment section of a YouTube video, uh, like the YouTube video that this will eventually be. Not in the traditional sense, where you go to the YouTube channel and click on the video section, but in the newfangled sense, where you go to the YouTube channel and click on the live section, because that's what this was. And, and speaking of which, um, 
shout out to anyone who tuned in to the live stream of this very podcast at any point, whether you just lurked in the background or whether you left a comment or asked a question or let us know when we were having technical difficulties. It's all very much appreciated. Jonesy, do you want to shout out anyone in particular? Seeing as I, I can do in the chat right now, I have to because Ice Not Rock Salt just um, popped up in the chat to say I made it, <laughs> um, and that we go uh, Eastern Standard Time at five PM is uh, is you know is, is obviously quit is when you get off work, and so it's pretty um, difficult to get on. And unfortunately, Ice Not Rock Salt has managed to get on just as we're about to get off. Uh, not like that. Oh, the time go. Um, but no, thank you, everybody. Um, oh, and I will add, uh, you know, I will mention like Rodrigo said, because Re- Rodrigo pointed out that the reason HBO have dropped the HBO to be max is because they're combining their programming with Discovery and they don't want their low quality trash reality TV to sully uh, HBO's Actually, um, high quality brand. Uh, which that doesn't that make some amount of sense. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. But then at the, same, at the same time, like, what do you do with the HBO part of it? Like, do you try and create, like, an offshoot in the future? Like, Max HBO? And, <laughs> and that, it's like you just, like, they just go full circle in a couple of years when they realize they actually want their own way of uh, of separating that, their own high-quality content. I, do you know I'm, I'm waiting for Blockbuster to just become a nothing, and then I'm, I want to buy that brand. If... if if I could, I've yeah, said that yeah, before. You, you and so many other people, it. bro. It's going to cost millions. It's I'm going to do millions. it one day when they're I'm could, 93 and everyone's like, block what? And then I'll buy a Blockbuster. There, there, could have been a not, there could have not been a Blockbuster store in existence for 50 years, and I still think that name will cost, could, would cost millions. Maybe. So maybe, start, maybe. Save, start saving is basically what I'm saying. <laughs> but hey, watch the space. Um, I would say uh, you can help Jonesy on that mission by going to patreon.com forward slash super, super show. But um, um, now's not the time. Like I said, continue uh, in the coming weeks to tune in to the podcast as we stream on this YouTube channel and deliver it to uh, uh, podcasting platforms of your choice if you prefer the audio version. And hopefully in the next couple of weeks, we'll be able to sit down with you all and discuss what the future of this fine product looks like in all the exciting ways uh, that we're going to reinvent the wheel. Um, but until then, this has been another Star Spangled episode of the Super Show Podcast. Thank you very much, Jonesy, for joining me on this adventure. Thank you so much for hosting, mate. Smashed Absolutely. it as always. Uh, my play, you know, it was fun. Like, uh, you do get a few jitters when you know you're going to be live on the internet, uh, but you get over them pretty quickly. Uh, and I thank you for being my rock during this difficult time. Um, I thank the fine folks around the world who have watched or listened to this. And with any luck, we'll see you again on the next one. Bye. See ya.